the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. But what was interesting in here, a couple things. First of all, the Megyn Kelly uh, back and forth. So if you remember, Megyn Kelly comes out, asks the difficult question um, uh, to Donald Trump, which, by the way, was completely fine. You could sit here and argue all day that it was a bad question. The bottom line was this question was coming from the left. She was, he was going to get it. They gave him a relatively safe place to answer it. And he acted as if it was like a horror show. How he would not know that question is coming is incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. The man called everyone like fat slobs. He called a bunch of women <laughs> fat slobs. Of course, they're going to ask him about it. Uh, so anyway, she asked the question. He's, of course, very offended by it, which launches. He starts attacking her. Um, now, at that time, Breitbart, which is just an arm of the campaign, starts attacking um, uh, Megyn Kelly as well. They come up with, it was, mm-hmm. they have the number in here. It's something like 15 anti-Megyn Kelly uh, stories in like two days. F- flashbacks to her sexy photo shoot, to, you know, time she talked uh, 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 on, on Howard Stern, every bad thing. that he, Of course, mm-hmm. the stuff that made no difference when they brought it out about Trump. There was no problem with Trump being in Playboy. There was no problem with Trump uh, being on Howard Stern and saying a thousand uh, horrible things. It was only Megyn Kelly. So anyway, they attack Megyn Kelly like crazy. This creates a split in, uh, beyond, uh, between Trump allies. Roger Ailes, uh, who has a person at Fox who is their big star, um, as opposed to uh, Breitbart. They basically go in and say that at one point, after this goes on for a while, Ailes goes to Bannon and is like, you gotta, you know, come on, stop this. You know, what, what are you doing? You just keep attacking, attacking, attacking. And he does not give in. Mm. Um, they eventually send, Roger Ailes sends his personal attorney, who you see on Fox News uh, quite often with Peter Johnson mm-hmm. Jr., uh, to talk to Bannon and say, like, you need to stop this right now. Like, basically, you're never going to get any one of, of, of your people on Fox News ever again if you continue this. Uh, and he, <laughs> they got into a big fight, and Bannon apparently said, I want you to take a quote back up to, uh, to Roger Ailes. I want you to quote me. Uh, tell him to F off. Like, that's how bad it was at one point, apparently, oh between them. Now, eventually, they started working together on the mm. Trump campaign. When, he was, when Bannon was brought in, Ailes was also brought in at the very mm-hmm. beginning of that. Now, of course, Ailes has since passed away. Uh, but uh, kind of an interesting... That was a, that's an interesting uh, story in here. And then additionally, uh, Ann Coulter... How, how on earth did Ann Coulter fall so in love with Donald Trump? It didn't seem to make any sense at the time. This story kind of shines light on it, I think, for the first time, which is basically she loved that whole uh, immigration proposal so much because, you know, she wrote it. <laughs> now, she did not disclose that at the time, which would have been helpful when she here. Uh, this is, uh, do we have this for a while here? Um, let me try to see if I can give you the exact quote. But basically, she... Went, uh, I lost the page. Anyway, she, she, uh, they didn't have any policy papers, which of course, you know, policy makes no difference to Donald Trump, obviously. So they asked, hey, we have, I'm tough on immigration. I need a tough immigration policy. They went to uh, Sam Nunberg, who's a former now advisor, but a long-term Trump advisor, uh, and Ann Coulter to write the mm-hmm. actual policy. She wrote the white paper, and then the next day called it the greatest political document since the Magna Carta, and I don't care if he's aborting kids in the White House if, uh, if he passes this policy. Now, it kind of explains, because, because of the fact that he's essentially abandoned that policy at this point, or at least has made no progress on it. Um, no, no, I mean, you know, there's been a couple things. Kate's Law, 
Um, you know, uh, he supported that. There's, uh, you know, a couple, there's been a couple bits and pieces, but really, you know, no wall progress. Uh, you know, he, he did not get rid of uh, DACA uh, for kids. Uh, you know, there's a mm. lot of uh, those sorts of things that have been disappointments to, you know, immigration hardliners. And so now she's kind of off the bandwagon. Well, of course she's off the bandwagon because he's ignoring her policy. I mean, if this is true, and I have not seen her comment on it yet, uh, it's only one report, so you know you never know with these things. Maybe we'll, she'll deny it, but uh, I, my guess is she doesn't. She probably likes the idea that they came to her. Yeah. I mean, I'll write some policies for them, and then I'll, and then I'll be all supportive of those policies. But I can't imagine I would sell out like that. I mean, I might if I write if you write a policy for the president, and he kind of takes it up, you're not going to like write a book in Trump we trust. <laughs> like I, you know, I mean, that's really. I'm personally not. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, nor would I call my policy the greatest political document since the Magna Carta in 1213. That's when that came out. So that was uh, a long time ago. I mean, you know, 800 and... Better than the Constitution of the United yeah. States of America, really? <laughs> yes. It's, am- it's amazing. She yeah. thinks pretty highly of her work, doesn't she? You know she? who loves Ann Coulter is Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter does, yeah. yeah she's yeah. a big Ann Coulter fan. <laughs> 